I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Adam Roberts and Emily Courtright. Um, Adam and Emily, they co-founded the A&E Real Estate Group in 2013. Um, and, and I'm not even going to spill <laughs> spill any of the backstory here because I, I really want to let them uh, tell their story. But first, um, Adam and Emily, thanks, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, why don't you guys go ahead and, and tell us your story? And uh, I don't know if that uh, you can start <laughs> before your story was combined or however you want to go. If you want to do it separately or, or do it in tandem, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear uh, your backgrounds. Great. I'll, I'll start us off. My name is Emily Courtright. This is my husband, Adam Roberts. And both of us are engineers by trade and uh, through college education. And we started our careers at GE Aviation. So we were in the aerospace industry, working in manufacturing, supply chain operations, and really climbing that corporate ladder. Uh, I would say I had a very traditional upbringing. The only investing I ever learned about was through your 401k in stocks and mutual funds. Uh, I had zero real estate in my family, um, no real estate investing kind of mentors to look up to growing up. Adam, uh, his dad did encourage him to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad at a young age. And uh, his dad was a little bit more influential, but uh, neither one of us kind of had that real estate bug until about 2012. And we were living in California at the time. And there was a Rich Dad, Poor Dad training that came through. So Adam uh, and I met after work and at a, for like a Wednesday night, two hour seminar, and they talked about the basics of real estate investing. And I was, I was pretty skeptical at that point because no, I didn't know anybody that invested in real estate. And to me, that was uh, unachievable at that time. But the, seeing the numbers, being engineers and, and knowing numbers, the numbers made sense and, and the wheels started turning. So we did. We ended up doing the three-day course and really learned about single-family flips, rentals, wholesales, and just looking at the numbers, I'm like, oh my gosh, people make money doing that? Like, this is crazy. So we tried to invest in California. That didn't work out. Real estate was too expensive, even in 2012. And it just so happened that a few months later... GE decided to sell off the businesses we were in and both of our facilities got put up for sale. We couldn't go back to headquarters and we were part of the intellectual property. So we were kind of frozen in our jobs. And that was really like the knife in the heart for us uh, that it, that the big corporations don't really care about you and you're kind of just another employee. And so we started looking around for other opportunities uh, Adam found another aerospace job in Fort Worth, Texas, and we decided that when we left California and I left GE, that I would start our real estate investing business. 
And kind of the mindset we had at the beginning was like, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back and get another engineering job. I'll, I'll go back to corporate. And so we moved to Fort Worth in 2013. I got my real estate license while we were still living in a hotel, searching like house hunting. And I started flipping houses and buying rentals. And it was, it snowballed. We bought our first flip for $45,000, put 10,000 in and sold it for 75. And you're like, oh my gosh, that actually worked. And then we started, we bought our first fourplex and we just kept going. And uh, it's been an amazing journey since then. I don't want to spill all the beans, but I'll let Adam uh, add to that, uh, his in, his input. But that was kind of the initial start in, yeah. into our real estate investing career. Yeah. And I, um, <clears throat> I held the corporate job while we started the business and, um, you know, kind of brought in, more or less the paycheck while we were getting things going. And, uh, but things happened pretty quickly. I would say, um, I mean, we, we weren't, um, like high volume buyers in, in the single family game. I think we, we got up to 12 rentals, probably flipped a couple dozen houses or, you know, rehabbed a couple dozen houses. Um, and then realized that if I was going to join Emily full time, we needed to do something different. Um, you know, scale somehow. And, uh, in Texas at the time, 2016 or so, uh, things had gotten really, really hot with single family overpriced, or at least we thought so. Um, and, uh, and, and doing investment properties and in, in single family became really difficult. You started to compete with institutional buyers and things of that nature. Uh, so we decided to look at commercial real estate, um, in 2017, we attended different events, uh, but the one, <clears throat> the one event that, um, really defined the next several years of our, uh, investing was a multifamily, uh, investing workshop that was put on by a large uh, investing group here in Dallas, Fort Worth. And, uh, we were completely blown away, uh, again, kind of that next level, similar to the single family weekend event Emily talked about where we didn't realize people could actually make money investing in real estate. Well, we didn't realize that people could actually, you know, make uh, a living, let's say, and quit their full-time job and, and uh, become a, a commercial real estate investor or a multifamily real estate investor. And so that was just like, we didn't realize that exist that, you know, had the potential to exist. And so we were all in, um, at that point, we said, you know what, that's it. We're doing this full time. We're going to sell off our entire single family portfolio, stop doing those, uh, investments and go full time into multifamily. And that's, uh, that's what we've been doing full time, uh, ever since, uh, that, that weekend in 2017. Awesome. Awesome. Um, like a very cool story. And, and, I think not, not unlike a lot of people that come from a, like a different background, right? Like, I don't know. I think this is, I don't know, we're getting close to 150 interviews and it's nobody, like almost nobody was from like, just started out life in real estate, like maybe two yeah. or three of the people it's like, Oh, I was an engineer. I was a, a tech person. I'm a veterinarian. Like there's just like, it's just like random other jobs basically. And then you find your way into it. And Emily, you said something right at the beginning um, that you were skeptical because you didn't know anybody that did it or you didn't have that sort of um, introduction in any way until, you know, sort of rich dad, poor dad, which is, I mean, and I've talked about this a lot, but like, that's the problem. 
right? That's the problem. A lot of people are skeptical, whether you're wanting to be an active or a passive investor, people don't know about it. And for whatever reason, it's this like <laughs> super secret thing that doesn't need to be a super secret thing that, you know, here's a way for you to make money. Even if you keep your W-2 job, have your, your money, make money, you know, as a passive investor, whatever the case may be. But it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have, have seen the same thing. Like you talk to your family, friends, coworkers, whatever. And it's like, they, they, everybody thinks it's a Ponzi scheme or so, you know, <laughs> what, they think it's some crazy way that it, that's impossible. And it's like, it's, it's not at all impossible. Like we, we meaning the three of us are, we didn't come from some magic, you know, real estate world. And, and, and it's like, you can, you can figure it out, you can do it and you, and you can make money and make a living at this. And, and, and sort of an, if you want to, a uh, sort of uncapped living, basically, you know, mm-hmm. really, really scale it that way. So I just, I, that stood out to me when you said that, Emily, because of that's the, that's the sentiment I receive when I talk to other people about it. And like, they just seem like it's this unfathomable concept. I'm like, well, it was kind of unfathomable to me a couple of years ago. Right. And, and to you when you started. So it's, I think a lot of people come from that, but, but realizing that you can, you can kind of move past those things holding you back and, and really, you know, do something with it. So you started with, with in the single family world. Um, and I think that that's also pretty common, right? A lot of people are, you know, start with this, whether it's because that's what we think we're supposed to start with, or it's because we think what it's what we can start with, whatever the case may be, uh, and then move to multifamily. So you, you mentioned, Adam, that you, I think you said you had flipped, you know, a couple dozen houses and you had you say 12, I don't remember, like single family rentals. Oh, what span of time was that? Like, how long did it take you to, to do that? Yeah, that was in between 2013 and 2017. Okay. Okay. So, you know, three, four years to do that. Yeah. That's, that's nothing to sneeze at. Like that's, that's a, yeah. a pretty substantial amount, especially I think doing a couple dozen flips in that time while also, you know, at least one of you was, was full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's like this stuff can be done. Mm-hmm. How did you, I, I, and I think that, you know, sort of concept of having one person with a W-2 job and the other person focusing on the real estate and the, and the time involved, how did you do that? How did you, I, I like interviewing couples and seeing, you know, kind of how they divided that up and um, was it always easy? Did you, <laughs> did it, was it, was it hard to figure out those roles and, and uh, you know, sort of trust each other in those roles? T- tell us a little bit about that, that part of the story. So I took on a lot of the responsibility because I, I was, that was essentially my full-time job. I took the responsibility upon myself to say, I need to build our real estate business. So I got my real estate license. I learned all I could about the contracts and negotiating and uh, the, the, the sales process. Um, I, during that time, we were sending out a thousand yellow letters a month. So I was the one printing the letters folding them, stuffing the envelopes, licking the envelopes, putting the stamps on. Uh, so it was, uh, it, I did fill my time. I said, you know, every day it was, what am I doing today to get our next deal? And whether that was driving for dollars, driving neighborhoods where we wanted to buy, um, it was really, that was my full-time job. Um, Adam did help a lot with 
some of the back end stuff. He he was there on some of the seller uh, seller uh, meetings with me, just so we could build rapport and for safety too, because you, you go to these people's houses and you have no idea who they are. Uh, but he was he was more behind the scenes. So I was the one shopping at Home Depot. And, and he was kind of in the background, double checking my spreadsheets and things like that. But I do. You... Yeah. I mean, I, especially here in Texas, it's probably similar in a lot of states, actually. You know, you have to be careful when you're a licensed real estate agent, you know, what you can and can't do with a potential seller of a home if you're going to buy their home instead of, you know, represent them uh, or list their home. So sometimes I would step in on negotiations if we found out that a a seller was going to definitely sell their home uh, without listing it, you know, um, and then to avoid a conflict of interest with the re- with the realtor in the conversation, then I would jump in and, and do some of the negotiating on price and things like that. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, Emily's right. I mean, she single-handedly built that business from the ground up and, um, you know, she did a great job at it. Here we are awesome. today. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, you you decided to kind of make that move to multifamily then and and so you i think you said you just sold off all of the single family portfolio i know you went to a to an event kind of got that multifamily introduction and education how did you maybe walk us through that process like how did you make that transition you know obviously it's not like one day you just every everything yeah, sold right. and now we buy multifamily. Like there's gotta be some sort of transition there. How did that, how did that work for you guys? Yeah. Emily was, I mean, she was managing the single families. So we didn't have a, we didn't have professional property management on the single family. So she was doing that, but uh, we made kind of a complete 180. Um, you know, we, one day we went from looking for single family investments to to not really. And, and, and we left that event and said, okay, Emily's going to transition all of her efforts to, you know, what, what it takes to start building a successful multifamily business, which, you know, at the time uh, when we were introduced to it, really it's uh, you know, it's a big team sport, right? So it's very, it's, it's, it's very evident once you get into the multifamily industry that it's not, it's not like single family, you know, you can't necessarily tackle, you know, a multi-million dollar project just by yourself. So we did obviously a lot of networking and, and uh, team building and meeting people and seeing if there was anybody that was willing to work with us, you know, a couple of newbies. Um, and, uh, and I would also say uh, still the single family business, uh, we had that going on. So, you know, managing the tenants and yeah, like that. the transition was very natural. Well, the transition was pretty abrupt in terms of efforts. Uh, we stopped our paid marketing. We I, there were 18 training modules. So I took the next couple months to really learn the multifamily um, business and dive into the education. In terms of our portfolio, we still probably flipped two or three houses after that. And just naturally, as the tenants started moving out of the rentals, we would sell them. And one thing that I, I one story I really like to share is the um, the depreciation on multifamily is is very powerful. So in 2018, we sold three of our rental properties, and each one made about a hundred thousand in profit. So we had about three hundred thousand in gains, and we bought one large apartment complex, 180 unit that we syndicated with other people, but that uh, large apartment complex 
put off a negative $350,000 loss from depreciation, which offset all of the capital gains that we had made on our single family homes. And so what we learned back in 2018 was it really opened our eyes to the, the benefits of multifamily depreciation. And we incrementally then sold off our portfolio. It kind of worked out perfectly. As the tenants moved out, we would sell. So it was like three to four a year we would sell and we would reinvest in multifamily in the same year. And then we ended up not having to pay uh, taxes on the gains from the single families. Love it. I love all of the different ways that real estate can help you benefit you, oh, whatever, yeah. whatever you need at that moment, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you, 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 it's great. You, you had these single family rentals that you had fixed up, rented, you know, rented them out, like they had increased in equity. Awesome. You make some money there. Well, you didn't have to give away half of that in taxes because right. you found another investment vehicle that has the depreciation that allows you to kind of write. And, it, and as a as a realtor, you should have real estate professional status as well, right? So you can, we don't have to get into all of that, but but like you can use that against W-2 income then as well as a married couple. So it, yeah, yeah it's, uh, we've had, I've had a, a CPA on here and we talked all about like, I, I oh, love yeah. the real estate professional status thing oh, yeah. and, and like the ability to, to use that as a, as a married couple too, and, and have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, offset things. So, yeah, I mean, and just, I don't know, I think we're supposed to say none of us are CPAs or, or what, right. <laughs> but That's basically right. just illustrating the power of real estate in so many different facets, right? It's not just it's not just the cash flow that you were taking home from your tenants. It's not just the appreciation and the and the gains that you get at that sale. It's not just the tax advantages. Like it's it's literally all of it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can and you can use it the way you want to. Because if you're you know if you if you as you did you sort of spaced out those sales on your single family, you know if you had sold them all in one year, you might not have had enough depreciation to to write them all up, but but you can use those advantages if you're smart about it and the timing to, to essentially offset all of that tax, uh, you know, t- taxable income that, that you would have gotten hit with. So it's a really great strategy. Um, I'm glad that you shared that because we, I haven't actually, I don't think we've talked about that sort of setup working out for someone, you know, kind of the way that it did here. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you did that, did, were you investing passively in the uh, syndications? Were you a part of the GP team? What What were you doing? What were your roles there? Well, when we when we first got into multifamily, I mean, the goal was from from day one to uh, be on a you know general partnership team, um, be general partners, part of the syndication group, and uh, but naturally, uh, you know, we, we joined, a, a, an investing group and naturally just a lot of deals started, you know, the deal flow was there. And <clears throat> so we, we ended up investing as limited partners in a few deals. I think three. Yeah. Right, right, right off the bat. Um, and that was, I mean, that was great learning, right? I mean, we got in with a couple good operators, people who, you know, uh, were, were good at reporting and communicating and we were able to kind of follow along, uh, best practices, how, how those folks ran their multifamily business. And, um, and then simultaneously really focused on the correct ingredients, um, and actions to, to put ourselves in a position to, um, to, to be a general partner on a, on a multifamily deal. So we, we kind of, we attacked both, I would say in parallel. 
timing wise, the like he mentioned, the passive investments were opportunities came much quicker. So from from the day we said we're going to focus on multifamily, it was about uh, two to three months before we were in three passive deals. And it took a good it took 11 months for us to get our first syndication closed. So about within a year of kind of making that decision and switching to multifamily, we had our first 180 unit syndication. Okay. Talk about that. Let's talk about how that, you know, how you found it. And I know that first one as a general partner can, it can take a while, right? If it really can take, I think similar to me, like I think the first one was, was 10 or 11 months, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, of, of work of, feeling like nothing's happening and then, you know, to finally get there. So how did it, how did you do it? What, what, you know, what, what, uh, what was your process and and how did that look for you guys? Yeah. One of the first things that we focused on, like I mentioned, was the education part. So as part of the education group we were in, there were 18 training modules. I got through those pretty quickly because uh, it was my full-time job. And then the second step was really starting to build that team. We went to a lot of different networking events and we probably had phone calls with seven or eight potential co-sponsors or co-GPs. And we did get a lot of no's. Uh, we, we would talk about our value proposition, what we brought to the table. We talked about what we were looking for in a partner, very intentional conversations. Uh, and there were some people that said, you know, that's not the structure I'm looking for. Or I'm already working with other people. And then we had a conversation that, was very natural. It went really well. It sounded like both both of us were on the same page. And we that phone call turned into lunch, which turned into dinner with uh, our partner, Aaron, and his wife. We got to meet his wife, Maria. And the, the conversations and everything was so natural. It just, it felt right. And so we had all the conversations up front, roles and responsibilities, commission splits, how would this work? What are we going to look for criteria? Because he was also looking in the DFW market. So we decided at the time that he would focus on 200 units or more for himself, and we would focus on anything under 200 units. And so we, I would say the partnership aspect was really priority number two after education being number one. And I, within by, I would say by the about the three month mark, we had that partnership lined up. And so going forward, we knew any offer we were going to make was going to be us and our partner, Aaron, like our resumes were going to be together. So then we kind of hit the ground running with deal analysis, property tours. Over the next three to four months, we we made offers on about four deals. And I remember specifically, we came in second place behind some colleagues. So you, you have to come from abundance. So I'm so happy they got the deal, but I'm, we were still like kicking ourselves because we were like $15,000 off on a $9 million property. And uh, one of the feedback items that the broker gave to us was that our earnest money wasn't strong enough. It wasn't comparable. And so we, took that as a lesson learned. And the next deal that we were really excited about, we went strong, super strong on the earnest money. And that ended up being the one that we got. So it was around that eight to nine month mark after we made the decision that we got it under contract. So probably the nine month mark and then a two month close. So we were closed at the 11 month mark, but that was kind of the process we went through. There were definitely some, some, knows when it came to finding the right partner. There were some, you know, knows we didn't know we didn't win the LOI. 
Uh, and you just have to keep going and, and keep trying because you knew it was going to happen eventually. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of no's along the way. I think that's, yeah. that's something for people that coming into this business, 100% should realize that you can't, it's hard to not take it personally or not be emotional about it, but like you really can't because guess what? You're going to hear no a hundred times again. Like it's, it's just, that's how it's going to go. Um, I wanted to touch on a couple of things you talked about. One I think is a super important and, and, probably overlooked a lot, but having those uh, intentional conversations with potential partners, especially in the beginning. And and I'm speaking from experience, like you just want to get a deal done. Right. And so you're, you know, a lot of people will get in that. I just, I just need to find someone who can help me get that deal closed. Right. That's, that's what I think that it's not. And, and most people, when they think about getting a deal done, they they're thinking about getting it closed what we're not thinking about is the next three to five years of hold time. Yeah. Yes. So what you're not thinking about is this is, this is literally like, I was going to say worse than a marriage. Marriage is not bad, but it's, uh, it's, it's probably easier to get a divorce than it is to get out of a bad partnership in, in a, you know, sort of a business relationship like this. So <laughs> hopefully my wife doesn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> that the wrong way. I, but the, the, the point is that it's it's like if you're in a in a relationship that you just can't stand, like if that's a, a marriage or something like that, you you can get out not not tremendously difficultly. Here there there's a lot, there's a lot to consider as well. So you have to think of it that way. You have to think of it as a long-term relationship. You have to think of it as, okay, I'm gonna have these conversations that you did and make sure as be as sure as you can that it's someone that you do want to you know sort of work with for for an extended period of time what, what did you do i mean how how did you come up with that discussion like did you have a list of questions that you wanted to ask how, how did you guys decide you were going to approach that because I, I think it's a great idea but i bet a lot of people are like well what do i how do i do that then how do i so what were the maybe some action items in that that you took or that you used to, to help form a partnership that works for you? Yeah, I think for us, um, we got really clear with uh, what, what our intentions were for the partnership, what value we brought to the table, uh, things that we were willing to do and bring and, and, and perform. And, um, and also it was very obvious to us and thus easy to discuss uh, what we needed from the partner. Like, for example, um, you know, we didn't have a multifamily resume, so we wouldn't be able to get a, a multifamily loan. Um, we didn't have, you know, a huge list of equity investors, so we probably wouldn't be able to do an equity raise very, very easily on our own. Um, and so a few of those items, we just got very comfortable, um, you know, discussing the potential of, of, of the person on the other side of the table helping us with that. But we also got very clear on what we were able to do. And that was, hey, we'll we'll form the broker relationships. We'll do the property tours. We will do all the underwriting analysis. We'll make the offers. Um, another big, big one, I, at least I felt like it was, um, you know, it helped the conversation quite a bit, uh, was we, we were willing to put forward all of the financial risk uh, prior to closing. So all the earnest money. Um, loan applications, you know, things that, that basically uh, drain the bank account. 
we were willing to take that risk. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, that in combination with what, um, what folks were seeing us do, uh, you know, cause we didn't wait until we had a partnership lined up to actually start the, you know, the analysis or to start the property tours or to, and I don't think we necessarily pushed an offer across the table until we had a team built, but still, I mean, we were, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like we came to, to our partner and said, Hey, we're just willing to ride your coattails. It was, Hey, we're doing some major work here and I'm willing to push a lot of money into escrow. So, um, you know, we, we'd, uh, appreciate, you know, consideration for partnership and here's the things we're looking for from a partner, which is why we're talking to you. And, um, yeah, so, so I'd say that's, you know, that creates a really intentional, um, honest conversation, uh, between two parties. And like Emily said, um, the, the, uh, reciprocal, uh, the partner's reciprocal conversation was great. We felt comfortable with it and it, it took a couple meetings, but it, it started to really go in the right direction. Well, I think the other unique thing about our value proposition was that we wanted to do all of the asset management. We, we had had five years of single family experience. I, you know, I managed all the rentals, so I didn't have property management experience, but um, enough landlord experience, flipping houses, construction experience. Plus, we had the corporate um, education from GE. I mean, we were essentially climbing the corporate ladder and we have had professional training on leading teams and managing, you know, manufacturing facilities, uh, many managing full assembly lines. And so we had the confidence that we could do the asset management. And so that was, a, I think, a pretty important aspect because there were a lot of potential partners that we talked to that just didn't have uh, the trust to partner with a brand new, uh, brand new co-sponsors and give up the reins on the asset management. So that that was really unique, and it took a unique person who met us, got to know us, saw our, I would say our confidence, our track record, our corporate background, and said, I, I trust them to be their partner and let them do the asset management. And obviously it was the right partnership decision, uh, but that was something very unique that not a lot of people were okay with, you know, having the more experienced person give up kind of the the reins, if you will, to, um, to let us run with it. Yeah. I, I was actually going to ask you about that. Cause I, I mean, my assumption was that whoever you part, you were looking for partners that, you know, cause you, you do need to have that track record to get, uh, multifamily loans. You do need to have the balance sheet. And like, there are certain things that, um, a, a, you know, more experienced person bring to the table that are kind of, you can't do it without it, right? You can't, you can't do 180 unit deal without, you know, kind of that level of track record. So um, that, I mean, that's actually quite interesting to hear like that someone was willing to sort of trust you as asset managers kind of right off the bat. It's awesome. Uh, It goes to speak for what your, uh, I imagine your pitch, your presentation to to them was, and, and, you know, kind of what, what your background was and, and your confidence behind it. So I think that is, a good thing for people to hear too, because I, I, you know, a lot of people I think struggle with what is their own value proposition. What, what do they actually bring to the table? And it's like, it's not that it's easy to find a deal, but it's, it's probably 
easier to, to find a deal and then just kind of say, okay, here you go. I found you a deal. Can I just, as you said, you know, ride the coattails, but, but you're probably not going to learn a whole lot about asset management and, and, and the rest of the process if you don't try to really get right in there and be a part of it in, in some way. So um, good for you to, to get that worked out and, and get someone to, to believe that you could do it. Um, so what, maybe just kind of go through the, the next steps. So you, you got this partnership, you got the, the deal under contract. So it took about 11 months to close. And that was when, when did you close? 2018, summer of 2018. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how's, how is that going? What have you done kind of since then? You know, what, what's been the progression? Yeah, no, it's been really good. Uh, we actually ended up doing a second deal with the same partner, um, maybe 10 months after, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe a year, a year later. Um, and same, uh, same setup, really. Uh, we did a lot of the work, uh, and, uh, and, and, and we utilized his resume to do, you know, we, we closed on a 208 unit property. So bigger deal, um, better financials. This was, it was, a, it was a nicer deal, uh, here in Dallas. And, um, and then, uh, I think COVID happened and, and, you know, of course we all kind of, uh, went through that, focused on operations, made sure the properties had what they needed. Um, but fast forward uh, closer to today, we, we actually have uh, built up a, a real estate business with another couple, um, different partnership since then. And uh, I'd say since 2020 uh, to today, I think we've acquired um, on our eighth, eighth, eighth property. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, just going back to our earlier discussion about building a team and finding the right partners, um, in this case, you know, we were looking to kind of graduate to nicer assets, uh, you know, things that were, you know, constructed in the eighties, nineties, two thousands. Um, we were looking to graduate to nicer areas, better sub markets. Uh, so more expensive properties, essentially, right. Yeah. Uh, better, better financials, things of that nature. And, um, you know, again, we brought a lot of operations experience at this point, we had a couple properties under our belt. Uh, one of which our first one had gone full cycle and, uh, you know, uh, the other couple, uh, that we spent, uh, probably two or three years really getting to know, um, sharing business philosophies, making sure that it was the right fit. Um, now we've got a really good team. Uh, you know, I focus on me and the wife of the other couple focus on uh, operations, asset management, and the current portfolio. And then Emily and the husband of the other couple, uh, you know, work on broker relationships, acquisitions, keeping the pipeline full of, of, you know, offers and properties and trying to keep the portfolio going. Um, and it's, uh, it's been a really good experience. I want to go back though, and kind of just, um, recap the timing. So for the first three years, it was essentially one syndication a year. It was, you know, one in 2018, one in 2019, one in 2020. And what we learned when we were doing all of the asset management was that was a great pace for us. And we would buy, we would, you know, implement the business plan, spend the next three, four, five months focused on that particular property. And then we would go out and look for that next one. And so it's, that was a great pace, but what we realized is that we needed a little bit more leverage. And in order to buy more than one deal a year, we needed to partner 
uh, with a, with have a different partnership structure. So there would be, we could split up the uh, operations and the acquisitions. And that's exactly what we did. Like Adam mentioned, he's more of operations. I'm more acquisitions. And we have another couple where um, we, we leverage each other's strengths. And it, it's allowed us to now buy three deals a year. And so that's what we did in uh, 2021. And that's what we will, we're on track to do for 2022. So just by, you know, revising our, our partnership structure and, and really focusing on leverage, we went from one deal a year to three deals a year. It's a, it's a fantastic recipe for success yeah. in this business. Like um, th there's a lot of, lessons I think that people can learn from you guys in, in your story here, like just the, 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 in, the in very intentional nature of what you're doing, right? The forming the partnerships, um, the pace that you started out with that, like, you know, like, I think a lot of people get, you get, you know, it's hard to get the first deal. Then you get the next, you get a deal and you're like, well, now my, now my deal flow is better. I'm, I got to hit this. And, and it's just like, you know, th this is a, it's a long-term thing and it is it is near impossible to scale without sort of bringing in other partners other what partners or employees right you have to you have to build yeah. the the you know you have, you have to have some sort of manpower to leverage right one way or the other whether they're you know part of your team on from an equity standpoint or they're they're some way just hired to your business and so it's really great to kind of see that you know one a year and then three years and it's like you grow that and then eventually you can do however many you want in a year, basically, whether you're, you know, partnering with, you're leading, whatever it is, there's a lot, it, it opens up those doors of opportunity. So it's, it's a really great um, strategy. I, I think a lot of people can kind of see that and see it's patience, right? It's, I think that you're very patient about what you're doing too, which is, is, uh, not my strength. And so I'm uh, <laughs> sort of very, very, very um, impressed in, and I admire what, what the way that you're doing it. I think it's really cool. And I, I um, will try to implement some of that impatience in my life. Uh, <laughs> so let's, um, let's switch gears a little bit just so I don't keep you guys all day. But um, there's four questions I like to ask every guest. Since there's two of you, it'll we can uh, in answer them individually. And so I want to make sure that we, we get through that. Um, is that some of it, there will be, I'm sure some overlap, but um, first question uh, I ask every guest is based on the name of the show being know your why, but um, what is your why? And, and you guys can answer separately maybe to start and I'm sure there'll be overlap, but yeah. What is your why? What, what, what really drives you um, at this point? For me, it's, um, it's family and it's lifestyle. Uh, <clears throat> you know, ever since leaving for college and, and uh, getting full-time job have been hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from family. And even living here in Texas for a period of time, we were pretty far away from family. And, um, you know, for me, aside from, yes, some of the financial benefits that, that real estate can, uh, can afford you, uh, it really is a lifestyle business. And so what does that mean? It means more flexibility with your time. Uh, and for me, for us, it's spending more time with family, uh, folks that uh, we spent a lot of time with and first, say, 20 years of our lives and you know, are looking to spend more time with now that we have uh, a lifestyle business and, and more time to, to, to flex. 
Yeah, it's very, very similar. Um, just the 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 thought of building your own business is something that I never thought growing up was something I would ever do. Um, this entrepreneur mindset, it's it's still so new, so um, just new to me. And like everything you do during the day, you are building your own legacy. You're building your own business. You're building your own wealth. And it's, it boggles my mind that we're able to, um, to do this together and to take the time off when we need it. I think one of the first realizations I had was, uh, when Adam joined me full-time in 2018, we went on a charity trip to Ecuador for nine days. And it was the first time we ever like went on vacation for nine days, vacation slash, you know, intentional charity trip. And we didn't have to ask for time off. <laughs> and it's the, Pretty it's awesome. the power of being able to do that and still get your, you know, come back and your business is still going. You still have assets, nothing fell apart. Um, and so just the, the, the freedom of, we work hard and there's, there's nights when we're work, we were working last night, we were working at 6am this morning. Uh, so you work when you need to, but you also have that ultimate flexibility of um, being able to, to go away when you need to visit family when you need to, and uh, put those things first in life. Yeah. I love it. That's and it, you know, and it, it's a business that travels well. Right. Like you, you bring your laptop with you, you. You can go do those things. If you need to check in, you need to do a couple of things like it's still possible. So it's a it's really uh, a really a great point of, of you know, sort of that um, just it's a lifestyle business. I, I, I've not heard it put that way, but but I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, second question. And I'm going to throw a little bit of a uh, twist to this. Typically, I ask every guest, um, tell us something about themselves that most people don't know. Um, and I want you to answer for the other person. So it can be a special skill, a hobby, you know, something, some thing that's maybe unbusiness related, but just something that uh, is, is maybe people don't know. So I, I assume that you know each other well, <laughs> and you can answer this for, for each other, anything, whatever you're comfortable sharing. I'll start. You start. So um, Adam, she's got one. She's ready. No, I have always loved this about him. Uh, he he's a pilot by uh, as a passion and not by a not as a career. Um, but it is his it is his passion and his hobby. And one super in, in interesting thing is that he could essentially fly a plane before he was allowed to drive a car by himself. So he was, his mom had to drive him to the flight lessons because he didn't have his license yet. And he was soloing an airplane before he could drive. So he is a better pilot than he is a driver. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. It's like there had, there had to be some zing in there to, to, yes. to yeah. go with this. I, I, um, I, I, I don't know if this is, Maybe that maybe this is in the whole world, but I feel like there's a lot of people in the real estate space that are are pilots as well. I just in it. I don't. I hate flying. I hate flying because I hate flying commercial. I hate mm. everything about that goes with it. But man, do I desperately want to fly private? And I'm like, if that means me having to fly the plane, maybe that maybe that's the way to go. Just get my because I just like I I just 
yeah, it's, I, I could go off on a, on a, get on a yeah. soapbox about commercial flying, but, it, but that's, it is super cool. Like, I think that's an amazing skill to have. So, um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty and good. I love talking about it. So if you ever <laughs> want to take the conversation further, please reach out. I, I love talking that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I will, I will. I, I would, <laughs> I would love to hear more about it. And, and now since you go second, now you get to decide how, <laughs> 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 how much you want to pick on her, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think one thing for folks who, uh, you know, n- know Emily either through business or otherwise, uh, but don't really know, know her. Um, she's actually quite athletic and has played or does play many sports. So folks would be surprised to hear that for much of her life, she was a gymnast, a swimmer, a diver, and now has decided to take up golf. And on the second hole that she ever played, I'm talking, she's never been on a golf course before last week. She birdied. So, so Emily's more athletic than she seems. <laughs> I'm a terrible golfer, but I know what that means. And I know yeah. that's like, I think, I, yeah, I've done that one time. I mean, I haven't played a lot of golf, but I did that one time ever. I was like, like, but that's, yeah, that's, that's quite amazing. So, uh, impressive impressive skills on on both your parts um (laughs) when people hear this and they want to reach out how how would you like them to contact you our website is the best place and it's www.ae like adam and emily ae multifamily.com okay um so final question and, and uh, be great if you maybe each come up with one, but I, I always like to ask people, you know, what, what's a piece of advice you would give to someone who's getting started? You know, they're, they're new to the real estate game, um, but they, they hear this, they see, you know, how, uh, how great it's going for you and they want to, you know, kind of, kind of get started and get in the, get in the game. Um, just start just, just do something. Um, you know, and I, and I actually, it's interesting, uh, cause I have a really good friend right now who's thinking about it and, and thinking about it. He's done this analysis and that analysis and he wants to meet for lunch tomorrow and he wants, you know, and I'm like, man, I, I say, you know, in the two years that you've been thinking about it, you could have made like hundreds of thousands of dollars and you could be well on your way to creating some, some different, you know, lifestyle. So my advice, even though it's very short, it's got to be calculated and you do have to be smart uh, about it. You know, you can't just be reckless, but just, just do it. I'll, I'll add to Adams and that's like get, get plugged in, whether it's a uh, local meetup, whether it's a podcast, even, even just phone calls. If you're interested in single family or multifamily schedule, a call with us, schedule a call with some of your other speakers. Uh, I, I think sometimes people are afraid to reach out and they, but they don't realize like, that's, we did the same thing. We had to have phone calls with people and we learned when we first got started. And it's something that we're absolutely willing to uh, pass on and, and, you know, pass that torch and take the time to talk to brand new people who are interested in getting into investing and see how our paths um, are similar and, and what advice we can give. So I, I think just don't be afraid to have the conversations and get plugged in and start, start going to the meetups and start meeting people and asking the right, asking questions. And I think you, like you mentioned earlier, you realize that it's not so far out of reach. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's great advice on, on both points. I, I think it's a, 
it's definitely something where you have to take action. You have to, you have to do the work, right? It's not just going to fall into your lap, but if you do, and people see that you're taking that initiative, that's how you get to be the primary asset manager on your big, your first 180 unit deal. That's how you, that's how you do those things, right? Like you just, you literally just spelled it out for people. Like this is how you do it. And reaching out to people like yourselves that are already doing it is the way to get, you know, to have those conversations. And so uh, I, I think the real estate space is very much a space of abundance and mm-hmm. generosity, you know, with, with time and things like that, you know, no, you're not going to call someone and they're going to give you a bucket of money, but they might give you, you know, 15, 30 minutes of their time to talk yeah. about strategies, which would probably be more valuable to you than a bucket of money. So it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's usual, utilizing that and, and being, uh, taking advantage of those things and, and not being afraid to, you know, kind of get yourself out there and, and do something. So, um, Adam and Emily, great. I mean, really great conversation. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I kind of loved everything about it. I feel like now I have some things from that that I'm like, okay, I gotta, I, I'm gonna put put these things into action. So I love it. Definitely want to talk more about um, flying at some point as well. Um, but again, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate thank it. You. We're honored to be on the podcast. It was, it was my pleasure. All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and sign out. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.